Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts joining you here on a sunny Thursday afternoon. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Have you enjoyed that we skipped over the latter part of spring and it is just hot now? This is your new reality. It's going to be like 70s next week, but it's kind of like uh, it's like being on the surface of the sun uh, very quickly, and, and I'm not enjoying that. Brian? Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. That's my commentary. It's not It's not <laughs> hammock weather. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to lay in a hammock when it's 90-some degrees and there's no ocean breeze hitting you. you know, I, not unless you're looking for that bronze tan, and I uh, <laughs> I, I know that I can't get there. This this is a pasty, pasty guy forever. Fair. Fair. All right. Uh, Brunch, you didn't – you weren't with us for our, our – very short pod that we had on Tuesday. BC and I talked about Sean Hardy. We talked about Nebraska's wide receivers. We talked about what Matt Lubick is inheriting. We talked about Omar Manning. Where would you like to start? We're, we're going to go back to kind of wide receiver again in this podcast pretty heavily here, uh, at least for the first portion of it, and just kind of get your thoughts. But I, I'm going to take the question out of your hands entirely now. Sean Hardy, what were your initial thoughts uh, the more you looked into that commitment? Yeah, it's uh, the offer list is interesting. Um, you know, you had uh, it was LSU. I think uh, a couple other SEC offers there uh, early on. I think th- the size that he has uh, at six three one ninety is intriguing. Nebraska hasn't really recruited a lot of high school guys recently that look like him. I think the fact that he's kind of a multi sport guy always intrigues me a little bit about prospects. The soccer background is uh can can never hurt with quick feet and whatnot and you know I I think you know for Nebraska you you just need to start rebuilding that room and I think they are doing that with what they have in 2020 and and we'll get into that but I think to get somebody in the boat now a guy that I think you know was, was maybe not as much on everybody's radar but he had visited previously they were obviously working and pretty hard behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good get, uh, definitely off the radar a little bit. But I, I think, you know, that, that's a guy that you can kind of build your, your class with and, and, you know, kind of that continuing to remake, I guess, of, of what uh, Nebraska's wide receiver group looks like because it needs to be rebuilt. Yeah, and, and with Sean Hardy talking with his coach, Bob Spire, Seems like just a, the quintessential Nebraska kind of recruit. Not a real talkative kid. Pretty hardworking guy. Uh, just really cares about playing football and, and has kind of sort of been a known quantity down there in Camden County. And the, the family took visits all over the country to, to various schools that they were interested in. And Nebraska was the one that they kept coming back to. And, and basically the Huskers beat out the likes of Georgia Tech and Kentucky, Arkansas, Purdue, LSU, the, the family liked, but there was some question as to if they wanted to, to try to play the game, uh, to wait around to see if there was going to be a spot available kind of thing. But they were in good communications with the, the Tigers. And, and that's just kind of the athlete that he is and, and a guy that I think uh, could be very helpful in a, a variety of ways. I mean, his coach talked about his ability to, to go get the deep ball uh, to – to be able to play as a blocker, to, to just do all the little things um, that you're, you're kind of looking for. And so I think Sean Hardy was a nice addition there. 
we started with Sean Hardy, but he wasn't the only wide receiver news at the end of last week or even the beginning of this one. Omar Manning set to join Nebraska, uh, headed to campus here shortly. That looks like a, a done deal. It looks like kind of the months of, of being a little bit concerned, the agony, the, the con, you know, just not sure whether he was going to be there. That's all over now. What do you think Nebraska gets with Omar Manning? I mean, it, is it, uh, you know, too much hyperbole to say that that's probably the, the story of the spring for Nebraska right now? I mean, I think, you know, obviously Xavier Betts and, and getting him in was, was very important. But I think not only getting Omar Manning in um, and, and, you know, making, getting him to be a Husker, but also doing it, you know, to his credit early enough to where he's going to basically have the entire summer with his teammates. I think it's huge. Um, you know, going back to the start of the semester, you know, there were questions about whether or not he was going to be here in late July, uh, whether he was going to make it here in time for fall camp. And, you know, I, I think he really buckled down had a goal, and I think you have to give credit to, to Omar Manning for, for doing the work, obviously. You have to give credit to Ryan Held for basically calling uh, multiple times a week to make sure that assignments were being turned in, that uh, work was being finished, that things were progressing. And, you know, that staff down there in, in Texas, too, who all these guys went home in March, and you've got a lot of question about whether a kid's going to finish and graduate, and, and they, they kept on him. And I, I think, you know, it, it's easy with junior college guys to, to kind of maybe overstate what their impact is going to be. You obviously get JUCO guys because you want them to, to have an impact right away. But I think Omar Manning with his size, uh, coupled with Nebraska's need, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a cornerstone of this offense based on what Scott Frost uh, said uh, on signing day, what he said in the spring. And uh, I think that that's – that to me is the story of, of spring. Like I, I getting him to campus with no questions, I think is, is just huge for this offense and what they can be in 2020. Yeah. Uh, BC, you, you kind of mentioned this before the show. What do you think Omar Manning does in terms of production? If, if you had to put a baseline of, of he's healthy, he plays 12 games, 13 games, 14 games, whatever you want to say there. Let's just say he plays the 12-game regular season schedule. He's healthy. What is kind of the baseline production you think that Omar Manning can bring? I think last time we talked, we threw out a number like 600 or 650 as sort of uh, yeah. a, a solid goal. And I know there's going to be some people who hear that and they're actually like, come on, no, bit more, you know. And I, I like that number at like 650 for Omar Manning is just like, Get to that, and then if you just blow by it, good for you, and we'll stand and applaud. I think that's the way we need to look at it because if we set this bar at he's going to go track down Stanley Morgan's season from a couple years ago in his first year on campus, I don't think that's fair to him, um, especially since it's going to be a very condensed you know, time before the season. Uh, we don't know how much they're going to be able to work out together, how that structure is all going to work like. I do think Brunts is – right though the timing of both Manning and Betts getting here it seems like in the next week or so is monster for this program because you know those QBs and receivers they're going to go out and pitch it around a little bit on their own and so he's going to get to know his quarterbacks 
and I think that's going to be a big deal. But I, he could very well lead this team in receiving. I think that's what some people would predict, but I think we just need to be careful about – like Dedrick Mills last year when at the beginning of the fall, it was a good intention, but he was asked how many rushing yards he was going to get. And remember what he said? 1,500. And everybody's like, oh, okay. And uh, obviously that, uh, that didn't come close to happening. Um, so I think we just got to be a little careful. Is 800, 800 yards? Do you think he could get to 800? I mean, that's – He's already put – look at this guy. Yeah, I do. I do, but um, – Come on, BC. <laughs> can can I get you to 900? 925? <laughs> I'm 930. Not, I'm not bidding you up here, but I, I think I, – when you look at – and we'll get into this. I mean, when you look at Nebraska's wide receiver core right now, uh, assuming that J.D. Spielman is not part of that group and we still don't know what his future holds, it's looking a little doubtful um, just based on where he's been and um, – things like that. But I think, you know, you, you have Wandale. I, I, I don't know what other options you really have um, on, on Nebraska's roster right now besides Wandale to take a significant number of catches away from him. No, I, don't, I think you're being completely fair. Don't get me wrong. I think he could do that. And what you're getting at is he might have to do that, honestly, because uh, there's if J.D. Spielman is not part of the roster – um, we're talking about basically an 850 to 900 yard void that has that you have to fill that has been in the offense the last three seasons with Spielman. You could you could bank on it, and you probably could again with Spielman if he if he were back. You could say, okay, there's 875 or 900 yards at least. And uh, I don't know if Manning has to do it all himself though. That's where the the beauty of this recruiting class at receiver is. You've got your Alante Browns, your Marcus Flemings, you know, William Nixon, Betts. You hope between those guys, I think you need like two or three of them to be a big part of the rotation. Probably three of them. I think you need like three of those five guys to be a big part of the rotation. And then I think you need one of the redshirt freshmen at least, when I, and I'm talking Houston or Nance, to be part of it. So if you get those guys, that's four plus Wandale plus Cade Warner. Um, they got a grad transfer from South Dakota. So, you could – yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, you can – I don't know a lot about that one yet. But you could, you, could, you could piece it together with that without one guy just dominating the whole pie. So, uh, I kind of think one of the my takeaways – I didn't even mention this when we talked to Brian on Tuesday with, with Omar Manning is a big winner here besides, obviously, Adrian Martinez is Wandale Robinson because it's another weapon that the teams are really going to have to think about in the passing game. And instead of sort of being the only guy that defensive coordinators need to know early in a, early in the season, you're going to have Omar Manning. who's going to attract attention just because of his sheer size, just because six foot four, 230 pounds, you can let him go down a little bit. He's going to take up coverage in terms of being a possession wide receiver. I just think it, it helps open things up for a guy like Wandale Robinson and takes a little pressure off of him that instead of having to – because when we talk about if there's no J.D. Spielman, then immediately it becomes, well, Wandale Robinson has to assume that role. And I think that's a little hard to expect that. But if you make it a little easier with Omar Manning there, then that could really help Nebraska's offense be multiple. And then – then it gets into the sort of the situation that they had at UCF where you're talking about some of those guys, three, four, five, six wide receivers. And 
maybe week in and week out, you can't expect any certain numbers, but every so often there might be a play or a series where a guy is in and he has sort of game-breaking potential or Elante Brown is able to just flip the field on somebody or something like that. I mean, I, I think that that's, was one of the big things of UCF's offense that hasn't translated to Nebraska yet is you had that depth of skill position player that, yeah, you had to worry about Traquan Smith and, and McKenzie Milton and the running backs, but there could also be the second, third string, fourth string wide receiver or, or beyond that, that has just that one play where their ability can, can do a lot. My, my thing is this, as, as you kind of look at this wide receiver group and, and, you know, who they have there. Do they have somebody in that group who makes teams stay up the night before a game wondering how you're going to keep them from getting over the top? And that was something that was really missing in Nebraska's offense last year is you didn't have the wide receiver that could that could just go take the top off of a defense. And it doesn't even have to be a, a guy that, you know, is a 4-4 you know, burner type guy, you just need somebody that has a threat of potentially running by somebody and getting open. I mean, I, I think when Scott Frost was talking last year about, you know, needing to be more explosive at the wide receiver position, and he kind of spoke in code a little bit, I think, a couple times about what was lacking there. You just didn't have guys getting open deep. I mean, kind of I know a, the, the one deep touchdown I think that he caught was the one that I predicted correctly in the back of the end zone with the toe tap, but it was because he basically Way to ran that in there, Brent. Thank you. He he uh he, he basically ran around for eight seconds, and Adrian Martinez found him. I mean that there just weren't a lot of instances last year where you had Adrian just chucking the ball deep and a guy going under it and getting it. I mean even JD Spielman's yards, a lot of those are crossing patterns, those types of things. And I mean he he was probably their best option. So whether that's Omar Manning, whether that's Alante Brown, Marcus Fleming, uh you know maybe. Uh, Demarion Houston or Jamie Nance, who who are both very quick and fast guys, but that's something that they have to have in this offense. And it was just it was really hurting them last year that they didn't have it. Because the other part too, that opens stuff for the tight ends. And and you know the the annual conversation we have about how how involved the tight ends are going to be. It, how involved will they be? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I got know. A, I got a prop bet question for you. We, we we can uh we can get into that yeah sure do you think nebraska's second leading receiver and its top tight end in terms of yardage has more total yards than what Diedrich mills runs for in 2020 no i think no, Diedrich. I was, no go ahead no do you, i think you were were you gonna say he's gonna get a thousand i feel like he's got a good shot at going over a thousand I think he's going to get 1,200. Yeah, so tight end's not going to hit that. Is that but, what the question was? Well, no. If, if you, It was a convoluted your... prop bet. That's the problem. <laughs> no, it's not convoluted. <laughs> All right. If you say that the number one wide receiver, Wondell Robinson, how many yards did he have, Michael Brunts? Just pick a number. 900. 937. The number, the, okay, 937 <laughs> for Wondell Robinson. The number two receiver, let's say that's Omar Manning, he has 677 yards. Does Omar Manning plus whatever the total of the top tight end exceed Diedrich Mills' rushing yards? This isn't that uh, difficult. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. 
the second receiver and the top tight end. You're yeah, making us do math. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, go back to algebra. Jeez. God. Okay, so the top tight ends. Get, let's say uh, Omar Manning's second, and he gets like 700. And then the uh, tight end's going to have, what, 475? We know it's not stole with you talking about it. Could it could be stole? Could be my man stole. <laughs> I I still say under, <laughs> even though you're making me do math. Okay. I would say over actually. Now that I figured out what your question was, but uh, I do think chat function. I do think Brunson's point though to about the being convoluted. End, yeah, that that is true. <laughs> that is accurate, and also, uh, I mean, they paid the price. Let's be honest for. Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard were supposed to be sort of the bridge as far as like giving you that between the two of them, somebody who could just, okay, you got to worry about him every two or three weeks. That guy's going to get past your defense and there's going to be a 60 yard touchdown or like a 50 yard play. And that just never happened at all. And so they really paid for that, I think, and have been looking to stock that up. And that's where, um, I think there's good skepticism about receiver because we just haven't seen that player in so long, but that's where you hope somebody like a Marcus Fleming or somebody who just has wheels, they don't have to be the most detailed guy necessarily on the roster that knows all the ins and outs of stuff. But if they can be a guy who you can put out there sometimes and they can make the defense think that guy is going to run past me, at least you got something. there. You need like a Matt Harrion 2002 type season where a guy catches, like, seven balls for, like, and every one of them just, like, a deep pass. That's what no, you, you mean. mean the Kyler Reed 2010? No, I met Matt Harry in 2002. I'm sleeping on what did, Kyler Reed. What did, what did Harry and finish up with? Do you have it in front of you? Well, let me look. I, I, thought, you had it. I, thought, you had, I thought you had it. No, I can talk right. – Go ahead. I, speaking of the receivers, we were, we were talking about Wandale. I think he's going to be a really good peer leader – um, I had someone the other day saying, well, they're missing, you know, if Spielman's not there, you're missing that. I never thought even if Spielman returns that he's the leader of that group, really. Like as far as like in practice and stuff, I think Wandale's going to be the leader this year. And I, I think, think I go back to the Indiana game when they lost and he's a true freshman and he gets up and he basically calls out guys, they got to step it up. And he was talking about older guys. I was like, okay he's earned it already and he's already got that feeling that he can speak out loud. And I, I don't think he's going to be shy. I think part of Nebraska's issues last year is they didn't have strong leadership at the wide receiver position. So I, I don't know if, if JD coming back changes that at all. So yeah. um, let me just leave that where it is. All right. We got to take a break. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's your Matt <laughs> Harry numbers. You ready? You couldn't save those for after the break. We can. That's fine. No, no. Tease it. Seven catches that year, okay? That's all he had? Let's see. God, why did they? This is convoluted. Okay, yeah. Just uh, 12 games that year, seven catches, 301 yards, four touchdowns. That's uh, 43 yards of reception for, for those of you counting at home. So give me, give me one of those seasons from one of the young guys. I think Nebraska is in good spot. You're going to see a lot of fake options on those. <laughs> just AJ Martinez just rolling out towards the, the edge and then drops back and 
Blammo. Didn't Nebraska try to run one of those against Ohio State last year? They did. That was on yeah. the, the drive that got people talking. It was <laughs> when the guy picked it off on his back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Top round right. draft pick. We got to take a break. When we come back, we'll get the wheel out. We've got, uh, we've got a Big Ten West edition of the wheel, as far as I understand it. Uh, we've put a bunch of Big Ten West questions on. Going to give it a spin. We'll see what pops up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back. Brunch, you have a you have something you want to say? Seven catches, three hundred and one yards. Like it's just unbelievable. This is very video game esque. What you said, Kyler Reed? Let's let's compare. I'm curious now. Twenty two catches, three hundred and ninety five yards, eighteen yard average. That's not bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the best tight end season Nebraska's had in the last decade. So that's uh, who was a uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the he had double the touchdowns in, in 20 uh, in 2017. Tyler Hoppus, yeah, the most unsung tight end year in uh, in Nebraska history. We'll pull up Tyler Hoppus and see what we get. He uh, he last played for the Minnesota Vikings um, in a preseason, it looks like. Hoppus could join our, like, Justin Jackson, like this club of guys that uh, he needs a couple a couple of years have to go by for nostalgia to grow about it. Mm-hmm. But Hoppus, I think, could very much get in that car with uh, Justin Jackson, and we could start talking about how they haven't had a guy like Tyler Hoppus. <laughs> probably make a team of those guys. Yeah. Tyler Hoppus, 34 receptions, 377 yards, three touchdowns, 11.1 yards per catch. Great guy, too. He was a great guy. But anyway. Should should we give a little – give the wheel a little spin? Yeah. I think we're overdue for a spin. I'm surprised you didn't get it at the start of the break and then it just comes in and, you know, (laughs) magically. Yeah. All right. So, Big Ten West. Spin Uh, it. Oh, it's it's going. Oh. So – Why do you never show us the wheel? Because I – it just dwarfs the screen. So, all right, it stopped. So it, it's preseason magazine time, guys. Wow, Street, what a time! What a time! <laughs> right up, right up there with, uh, with with watch list season, which is coming up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I always put these up there with hammock weather for sure. Is, yeah, you know the seasons are really changing. 
and UPS guys wearing those shorts. Yep. Um, so Street and Smiths, they're the first one out of the gate. They had Nebraska with they didn't predict record, but they had Nebraska second in the Big Ten West. Um and going to the Outback Bowl. From the top or the bottom of the standings? From the top. Oh, okay. Superfly Jimmy snuck off the top. So <laughs> wow. they also have six of the seven Big Ten West teams going to bowl games, with Illinois being the one who does not. Guys, the question is, and that was a long one, do you think that six Big Ten West teams get to bowl games this year? Because that just seems like an awful lot. Can can I ask you a question first before we get into this conversation? It'll be really quick. Yes. Is the Outback Bowl your white whale of bowl games at this point? Yeah, because Kirk Ferentz has a ironclad grip on that bowl game. Like you, you don't go to the to the Outback Bowl unless Kirk Ferentz says you can. <laughs> you really just want blooming onions, is is what it comes down to. I think. I deserve a blooming onion. That's BC, what's your What's your white whale of a bowl game? Um, the Outback has somehow eluded Nebraska. I would say, seriously, one day I want to cover Nebraska in an actual Rose Bowl. Not, I know they played in the game against Miami in the championship, and I went to it in college, and it was cool. But it was at night. I want to play in a January 1st Rose Bowl beginning in the mid-afternoon. And that's why I was so ticked off at the 2012 team when they botched that and just got housed. So mad about them. You got to go back to Miller's Ale House on International Boulevard. I'm sure that that was a highlight of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, rem- everybody remembered you from the year before, too. It was great. <laughs> Brun- Brunson and I spent a lot of nights at Miller's Ale House. Okay. All right. So Brunt's question, can six Big Ten West teams make a bowl game? And and if not, how many do you see getting in and which ones do not? So, all right. These are the safe ones that I think for sure are getting bowl games. Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. Everything after that is not safe that they're going to get a bowl game. The next closest to me would be Nebraska. So I guess you'd slot them in fourth, Purdue fifth. And then I would say Illinois 6 and Northwestern 7. I'm really enjoying people talking themselves into Northwestern having a big rebound season because they, uh, they went out and they got a quarterback, which is what they did going into the year before. Uh, but this one, Peyton Ramsey, is even better than Hunter Johnson. So uh, we'll ignore the fact that their depth generally doesn't allow them to survive any sort of injury whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, I – I think that uh, – I think six is feasible. It doesn't seem as likely. I'd probably say five. I don't know if Illinois is getting back. But Illinois has a pretty easy schedule, as I was mentioning uh, before this podcast when you had asked our thoughts on the Big Ten West. This, this also assumes that you get 11 Big Ten teams into bowl games um, with Maryland, Rutgers, and Illinois being the three staying at home. Doesn't it also kind of tell you they're projecting uh, we're going to have a pile-up, basically, um, where yeah. the, the team at the top, even if you're second like they have Nebraska predicted, that could be a team that is five and 5-4 in the league and holds the tiebreakers, you know, and wins seven games, and there's like a 6-7. It could be – and that is possible. 
Uh, I would probably say five out of the West would be my safe answer, but I could, I think six could happen if it's just a, if it, everybody just jumbled together and, and that sort of feels like how it could be a little bit. Here is Illinois schedule. It's Illinois state, Connecticut, Bowling Green, Rutgers, then Nebraska, then Purdue. And then it gets a lot harder where you have Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, Northwestern. But I, I definitely think Lovey's boys can find six wins in there, and they could be 4-0 coming into Lincoln. But he shaved the beard. That's the thing I don't, I don't know that they're factoring. I also shaved the beard. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, and trimmed it. You get a haircut too? This is the first time I've seen you in a week. No. Hmm. I I have not gotten a haircut. I need one. I'm not wearing a hat, so that might be the the thing that's throwing you off. Um, but no, I I don't know. I think I would say five teams. <coughs> I feel good five teams get bowl games. I don't know if I can get to six. And I think Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, two of those three get it done. Okay. Give me Give me your uh, Big Ten West Power Rankings real quick, right now, summer rankings. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois. And, I, and then four, on the four and five slot, I could, I could probably go either way. So for me, it's like a top two of Wisconsin, Minnesota. And then I don't think that Iowa will be as good changing quarterbacks. I don't know if Spencer Petrus is going to, uh, to pick up right where Nate Stanley left off and, and everything else. But I still have to put them third, and then I would go Nebraska, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern. Yeah, I think, I think you guys are onto it. I – at some point, we'll have to get the Sox involved again, but I would say Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska. I think Nebraska, if you took the whole Big Ten, I did it the other day and ranked all 14. I actually had them seventh, which is higher than our 24-7 sports had them ninth in the Big Ten, which is fair. they gotta, they got to provide the evidence they're better than that. Um, but I, I agree. I think Nebraska, Purdue right now, are, they feel like that 4-5 combination somehow. And Nebraska's got to show they're actually two or three, like this magazine says. A little bit of, better. So, a little bit of context, too, for the Big Ten bowl picture this year. We, we've switched out um, some, some bowl tie-ins, if you recall. Belk Bowl in the mix. Holiday Bowl out. Also, you have the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, sitting out there for uh, probably six and six, five, seven and five type team. So mm. that mm. one's there. That one's there as well. So just put that out yourself there. into to the Vegas Bowl. Well, it beats the hell out of uh, the Pinstripe Bowl, which is also in that mix. Is the Vegas Bowl the one being played like December twenty something on uh, Saturday? Uh, I believe so, and it's uh, it's in the the new the the dome, the new one. That's not bad, actually. So I assure you, if Nebraska's in that range, they're going to New York over Vegas. Well, I don't know. Bite your tongue. Yeah. I, look, it, I'm not saying that <laughs> it's what I would want. I'm not going to either bowl game. But the point being, Nebraska's geographically the Nebraska- closest to the Las Vegas bowl. That's <laughs> that's basically a home game for Nebraska. 
folks would travel, Mike. We do need to start the. Uh, Could you imagine? The, you guys are a little concerned about the pinstripe bowl being the end of your season. If the, I, I if the coronavirus up. is slightly figured out by then, could you imagine just the pent up like travel of, of Nebraska fans for that bowl game? They would travel very well to Las Vegas. It, it would it would just be pandemonium. It's going to be unfortunate when they're playing in New York, but they would definitely <laughs> travel well to Las Vegas. I wonder we what go- the belt. I wonder what the belt bowl swag is. Probably a smart pair of. Pleated khakis, I'm guessing. <laughs> Football's in Charlotte. Yeah. It's the, it's the Coles of the South. Yeah, BC seems like you'd be a big belt guy. I, love, I, I am a big Coles guy, so yeah. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who's seen me dress, you can always spot another Coles guy. Like, <laughs> like I, I'll go out in public and I'll be like, Coles guy. You just see it. Like, it's that sort of like – trying to pull some it's like you're trying to pull it over people that you're you're kind of you got your style together but you don't really could you foresee (laughs) i know you're not you're not the most tech oriented person but i would i would kind of like it if you started a twitter account that was just called cole's guy (laughs) taking pictures of cole's guys that you see on the street that that would actually take off. You would have to. Oh, it would. You'd it have would. to. You could regionalize it. Then you could have like belt guy like down yeah. in the south and stuff. All right, so we'll give the wheel one more spin. <laughs> there, there's one other question on there that kind of pertains to wide receivers. Uh, if it stops there, who knows? But it's rolling. Um, <laughs> still going. This is one of those things where they have it set where it automatically falls into a. It's waited. It's waited. <laughs> I'm waiting to see if colesguy.com is actually – it's uh, available, by the way. Um, okay, it stopped. Uh, so we – I think we've reached a little bit of consensus that if J.D. Spielman's not in the conversation and uh, Omar Manning and probably Wandale Robinson are your, your number two, one and two wide receivers in some order, who's your third leading wide receiver this year? Um, Alante Brown. Okay. What do you think of that? Uh, I, I, I just think he, he's going to be involved, uh, in some way and I could see him popping out four fifty. I could see, uh, Cade Warner maybe too, but I'll go with Alante Brown. Do you want to get oddly specific and say how many catches and yards that guy has? Um, man, 30. 31 catches, that's a lot for a young guy. Maybe not. 30, for 31 catches for 428. Can you repeat the question? Who is if, – if it's not – if Omar Manning and Wandale Robinson are one and two in okay. terms of leading wide receivers, who's number three? And it has to be a receiver. can't be like a – Yeah, it, not a tight end or a running back. Okay. Um – Gosh. We'll go ahead and uh, I'll take my shot with Marcus Fleming. I think Marcus Fleming has a role in the offense. I think he can be helpful. He's one of those guys. I don't know if he's going to get a ton of receptions, but I think he's going to have that big play potential. Uh, And so, you know, maybe it's only like 
17 to 25 receptions, but he has a really nice 16-yard average. And look, that's not going to light the world on fire, but that's that's a 320-yard type season. That's going to help out. That could be a key first down. Like I said, that flips a field. That could be a touchdown, that kind of thing. So I'll go Marcus Fleming there. I think they brought him into play. I don't think he's going to redshirt. Uh, and I, I'll go ahead and go out on a little bit of a limb there. Though I, I am really high on Alante Brown. I just didn't want to double up on what I feel like everybody else is going to say. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being weirdly contrarian. I think if he's, I think if he's healthy, I think Cade Warner is going to play a lot of snaps. I mean, I think he's going to have chances um, to, to catch balls. I mean, I, I think he would, he would maybe be where I would go um, just in terms of, a somewhat proven commodity, uh, a guy that Nebraska trusts. And I, I agree. Like, I think Elante Brown, I think Marcus Fleming are going to have quite a bit to say in that group. But I, I think uh, I'll go Cade Warner on that question, I think. I think he's going to have maybe kind of what Schaefer said, maybe a 20-catch. He would have to have, like, 40 catches to get to 320 yards. Well, I, I didn't say what the yards were going to be. I, I, I don't think the yardage total is going to be high, but I think receptions-wise, I think he's, he's going to be up there. They need, a, they need a pile up of guys between that 200 to 450 where you, you've, you get, like, four or five guys almost in this category, and it almost doesn't matter who has the most amongst them. But the guys we're talking about, they just need to all be like kind of where they average out to, I don't know, 275 or something like that between like four guys. I think that's going to be the biggest deal. And I would love it if uh, William Nixon, who seems to be forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love it if he just – he's just – he stays quiet, hasn't, doesn't do a lot of interviews. He just pops up and all of a sudden he's a baller. That's what sometimes happens. So let's not forget about him either. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Any final thoughts? Yeah. No, I've used, I've used up everything this brain has. Not I much. Em- I emptied the tank today. Well, take some, uh, take some time off with your brain, and uh, we'll come back next week with some more Husker 24-7 podcast. <laughs>